So I am very excited to have Jimbo all the way from Canada um, on the podcast today. It's your special day. You're finally on here to make it queer and I couldn't be happier. Hello, Adam. Hello, everybody listening. Thank you so much for having me. I I cannot believe that you're all the way in Vancouver. Um, That's just crazy how the internet is able to connect people from all over the place. Yeah. So how how are things in Vancouver? You're not in a lockdown, if I'm correct. Yeah, so I live on Vancouver Island in Victoria, BC. So I live um, about four hours away from Vancouver, across the ferry, across an, uh, the ocean. So I'm very close to Vancouver, but I live in Victoria, BC, actually. And here it is, it's pretty nice out. It's always pretty mild here. So it's not very snowy. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's our it's the Florida of Canada, and it's not very hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I apologize for getting that wrong. I just assumed, I thought it was the same Vancouver that Scarlett's in. No, no, she's in Vancouver over on the mainland, and I live on Vancouver Island, which is the island off the west coast. So is it, is life very different there compared to mainland Canada? I'd say, yeah, you know, like being on an island always has a bit of a different vibe than um, a mainland. You're just like a little bit more isolated. You know, you tend to get people that are, yeah, a little bit more weird, fringy, kind of do-it-yourself, make-it-happen, sort of punk rock vibe around here. So it's a lot of artists. It's a lot of um, really interesting, cool, connected people that are really into nature, are really into self-expression, are really into health. And so it's just a very inspiring part of the country, I think. Is there quite a big scene there? Um, no, it's it's a pretty small town. So the Victoria is about three hundred thousand people. So um, there is one. There was one gay bar until recently. Now there's three. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, it's a growing artist community, a growing vibe. Um, I think we get a bit of a spillover now that Vancouver is becoming more and more expensive and kind of crazier. And there's a bit of a film industry over the years. So yeah, we're starting to grow. Sounds like a fab place to be. So you obviously were in the UK back in October, September, October, which is fantastic. And you met so many incredible people while you were here. You met Viv, you did a video with Juno, you became Jimbo Birch, which was hilarious to watch. What was like the biggest highlight of your trip? Um, I'd say the biggest highlight was just being able to go and do that. There was that brief um, moment um, after the summer and um, before we went into the fall and the lockdowns where things were a little bit safer and people were able to do a little bit more. Um, So I was just really grateful to slip into that window where um, I was able to safely travel and meet people and um, from a safe distance and just get a little bit of the um yeah just a sense of that post-show energy where everyone is really excited um to celebrate the show and to meet me and so that was the highlight was just being fortunate enough to um be able to go and meet some people so a lot of queens from season 12 and from um, my season of canada's drag race were not able to go and do things like that depending on where they live so um yeah i just felt so grateful it definitely spelled like felt like a quite a special moment that sort of like two month period where I was like you can go out things are a little bit more open um Mm -hmm. do a bit more um so this is very random but you recently posted some pictures um for your daddy couture campaign with your husband Brady and you're like the cutest couple oh thank you how did you guys meet 
we met at a New Year's party here at my place. Um, I host events here and parties and shows. And so uh, we had a New Year's event and Brady and I met there. It's like fate and now you're still in the same space, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really awesome space, downtown Vancouver, or downtown Victoria. Is this where, you, is this the place you're expanding for House of Jimbo? Yeah, so we have our studio next door, which we've just expanded to, and we're just renovating that studio and getting it ready. And um, then, yeah, we'll, we're starting to workshop ideas, and there's a lot of stuff sort of going on at the moment, which is really exciting. And so, um, yeah, the House of Jimbo project is ongoing, but it's a little bit slower than I had originally intended. But um, yeah, it's in process, and it's going to be really awesome. It definitely sounds very exciting. I know you had your Kickstarter campaign as well, which you met the goal for that on, which is fantastic. Yeah, we in a, in a way we did. The, the thing about the Kickstarter is you have to get all of your money to get any of the money. And so we actually raised about $30,000 and I had to borrow the rest. Um, which you're not supposed to do and I'm not really supposed to say but whatever I have to tell people what actually happened so people don't think I you know got all this money but um, you know we were very fortunate to be able to make a donation to the Rainbow Railroad of um, just over three thousand dollars which was amazing and so that's left a good little nest egg of some money that we bought some filming equipment with and then we'll start workshopping and putting together this pilot and so uh, yeah the the Kickstarter was successful and we made about half our goal in the end so um, yeah we were so grateful and so so pleased with that I think it's really nice that the fans have something to get behind as well exactly and it's it's awesome because you know it's a dream of mine to make that happen and this is probably the closest I've ever been in the process of actually making it happen and so now with everyone really excited about it and with this little bit of funding that we have to move forward um, it's really really exciting to be able to be this close to making something happen and you've got such an amazing space for it as well, which all works really well. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, having seen you live, I can safely tell the listeners that when they go see you, they are in for an absolute treat. What inspires your live performance style? Um, well, my performance style is based in clowning, which is all based around just sort of playing in the moment with your audience. And so it's really about being present and about listening and about sort of um, just feeling yourself and and really simultaneously getting yourself off and listening to your audience and um, sort of having that conversation through laughter and and through um, feeling and applause where you start going places that you didn't think you were going to go and the audience is really excited and um, you sort of it's based in shared surprise so a lot of the funniest moments or the most interesting moments are moments that I hadn't planned they just sort of spontaneously happen by being very present and so that's my favorite uh my favorite part of performance is about just being super present and about just going with whatever happens so do you sort of like when you're touring and things like that do you change your act every night then yeah yeah every show is different every time like i have a framework of you know what look i'm going to do because it's a tour so i have to um have some consistency that way but in terms of the framework of the actual um characterization um i usually do try to do something different i kind of go you know i have a few different beats that i like to hit within the performance but the general vibe is based on who's there and kind of what happens when i start interacting with the audience it was definitely the most like electric audience sort of 
most energized room I'd been in in probably six months from all the lockdowns and things. Yeah, it was so fun. Such an exciting vibe. And is it true that you used to tour with an actual circus? So I toured um, with a play called Ride the Cyclone. And as a uh, puppeteer of this puppet called the Amazing Karnak that I built, um, but I've never toured with a circus. I'm a clown in my style of performance, but I'm not a circus clown. Okay. And so it's a bit of a misconception that um, I'm a circus performer, but it's just the time with the clown that confuses people. Yeah, because I didn't know if you'd like trained, and trained to be a clown as well. I have taken clown training. I have, but I haven't toured with a circus. Because I was reading, sorry. I haven't toured with a circus yet, but I would like to. That would definitely be exciting. I was reading earlier about, um, like, because obviously I'd heard the, I thought you had toured with a circus. And the original um, Barnum and Bailey's Clown College, what they called it, has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard, which I think is insane. (laughs) That is hilarious. Makes sense. it, It definitely does. I mean, I think it takes a special... Like you have to be able to command a room, mm. which is not something everyone has. I mean, right. did you did you find Jimbo before you came out, or was Jimbo someone that sort of came into your life afterwards? That's definitely afterwards. Yeah. Um, prior to coming out, I was um, very self conscious about how I appeared, and I was um, very yeah just not very free in terms of how I expressed myself I could sing but I didn't like to sing because I didn't want to sound too gay and I really tried to um just mask a lot of my personal truths which would have exposed me as being feminine or gay which I was teased so much about as a boy and my dad was uh hyper homophobic and really um really did try to yeah not not physically beat it out of me but emotionally and mentally beat out that my femininity and my gayness and all that stuff that he said was bad and negative and so I really tried to appear as masculine as possible so that made me really stiff really rigid people made fun of how I walked people made fun of my body people made fun of all sorts of and um, so I just learned to really be small to try to um, yeah, just to not, just to disappear and be unnoticed. And so um, when I got my self-confidence and when I came out and when I really started to align myself with who I actually am on the inside, I found all sorts of personal freedom. And with that came a lot of excitement and joy for celebration. And that sort of, that catalyst of um, all of that repression sort of helped fuel my self-expression. Do you think, do you think it sort of then took that and then went to the far extreme of, super out there and like incredibly creative yeah I think it's um yeah I just chose joy I chose creativity I chose um love and so yeah that's what I try to fill my life with which is love joy creativity self-expression definitely very essential things and I think quite lucky that now self-expression is a bit more accepted especially at a younger age um yeah all the different forms of it yeah there was self-expression was like always accepted but it was what was the acceptable form of self-expression and now it's like now the the you know ideas of what is self-expression have much much expanded and so thank god for that i mean was because you grew up in ontario right Mm -hmm. was that quite a accepting place or no, it's, you know, growing up at like 80s, 90s um, in conservative Ontario, there was, you know, I'd not 
you know, gay culture wasn't really a part of the TV. You know, the first gay person on TV was Ellen and she played like a closeted lesbian on the show. And when she did come out on the show, her show was canceled and she didn't really sort of come back till many years later. And then, you know, there was Will and Grace was the next one. So like, you know, um, and there, there was a very stereotypical kind of gay um, appearance and sort of that gay trope started appearing in different shows where there would be that one backup character with a little tiny scarf who was all very gay. So, you know, there wasn't really a lot of like there is today, There, you know, growing up, I didn't have Facebook or Instagram. You, you can't look online and see all these other people who are in similar situations. And it feels very isolating, especially in Ontario. Um, yeah, I felt very alone. And um, my brother is also gay and both of us were closeted. So, you know, in a way we had each other, but we were both closeted. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really hard. And I'm I'm really grateful for kids these days who get to grow up with gay role models and lots of, um, you know, diversity and different ways of being um, being celebrated in the world. I think it definitely makes a huge difference just being able to see, just in like an ordinary setting, sitting watching the TV and you can see someone be like, I see a bit of myself in them. It makes a huge difference. Oh, of course, yeah. So is that when is that when you sort of moved away to Victoria Island then? Um, well, I moved here um, because I fell in love with a guy named Hank, a touring musician who toured through my bar um, that I was working in when I was in university. And um, yeah, he just told me that there was a great artistic community out here. I had a wonderful community in Waterloo. I left my community in London. That's where I grew up. It's very conservative. I moved um, to Waterloo when I found a really amazing um culture and friend group and artist group in Kitchener-Waterloo who really supported me and really, um, yeah, helped me be more creative and more artistic. And then um, I met my then partner at the time, Hank, who said I should come out West and join the artistic community here. That was really cool. Uh, and I did that. It definitely sounds like quite two different, like a, the extremes. Um, like I said before, it's super conservative now, super accepting, which I think is brilliant. Um, I mean, how in, obviously you mentioned there's only three gay bars, but is the queer scene quite accepted in things in Vancouver Island? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a very open-minded community. Yeah, I it's mean, wonderful. So Canada's Drag Race has been signed for a second season, which is fantastic. Um, I think without an incredible first season, that wouldn't have been able to happen. But how do you think Canadian drag differs from the rest of what's out there? Well, I think just, um, you know, the, the idea is that all drag comes from a personal place. So, you know, in theory, every person's drag is different. In terms of what are the national differences, I think, you know, those come down to, you know, some cultural things. But in terms of, um, you know, the, whether Canadian drag is much different than drag around the world, I don't. I don't think it's it necessarily has a specific flavor. I think it's just, you know, drag in, in its essence is individual. And so, um, yeah, I think drag Canada's drag race just showed the world that, that um, drag is drag and it's good if it's good and it's not if it's not. And um, everyone has their own spin on it. And I think it's just good to show that Canada has drag queens that are at a level that people would hope for and have expected. And so I'm glad that we were able to show that 
you know, it's drag is universal and anyone can do drag as long as they believe in themselves and want to. Because I think it really, there's so many like specific Canadian references as well, which I loved. And especially like we now have a second UK season. I love seeing the tiny little references that like maybe everyone watching won't get. But if you're from that place, it's like, oh, I get that. It's like a little treat trail. I've got quite a few more questions about Canada's Drag Race, but before I get into them, I wondered if we could play a little game of squirrel slang. It's a very bizarre name for a game, I do apologize. But essentially I found Canadian lingo in slang that I had never heard of before. And I wanted you to tell us what it means and whether or not you would use that with your squirrel friends. Okay. Um, So the first one is Cowtown. Cowtown, I think that's Calgary, right? Yeah. And if I say that, would I be like, hey, let's go to Cowtown, girls? I I don't think I would say that. It definitely seems like a bit of an out there one. It is. I think it's I think it's more of a slang if you're from there. You may be more familiar with it, but um I've heard of it. But um let's all let's all go down to Cowtown. I I've never said it. I mean it rhymes quite nicely. You could slip it into a song. Yeah, I could. Uh, the next one is also geographic, the peg. The peg is Winnipeg. And um, yeah, I would, I would say that to my Winnipeg friend, Brett. I would say, hey, you, you head back to the peg. But um, it would be as a joke. I, w- I wouldn't like, you know, I think you have to be from there t- to really be familiar with it enough to call it the peg. It's kind of like yeah. the Toronto. So you wouldn't be like, do you want to go to the peg for the weekend or anything like that? I don't think it's cool enough for it to be called, like, for it to be referenced like that. And plus it's far away. Not that Winnipeg isn't cool, but it's, you know, living on this island way across the way. It would, it would, if I was like, hey, yo, you want to go to the peg? They'd be like, Winnipeg? You, you want to just go all the way to Winnipeg right now? <laughs> it's kind of far. Because I think a lot of people don't realize how big Canada is. It's, way bigger than the states um sort of when you on a map anyway i think yeah i'm I'm not much of a geographist geologist neither am i as i thought vancouver and vancouver island were the same place yeah Um, right this next one is bifted biffed it like that means if you fucked it up and you biffed it right yeah yeah i i have never said that but i heard of it because I found that it also means like fell down or slipped. I didn't know if you'd just like, oh, she just biffed it on stage. Yeah, I would say bit it. She bit it. But um, biffed it, no. Boofing is sticking something up your butt. But biffing, I have never said that either. She biffed it or I biffed it. I have never said that, but I've heard it. This just shows how out of the Canadian slang I am. Because I was like, these sound like things people would use. Um. The next one is the Muni. The Muni. Um, is that a weird way to say money? It's the municipal government. Oh, the Muni. Never heard of that. I don't even really know what a municipal government is, which is kind of bad, but I'm. Sh- it sounds like a local government, and I don't really talk about that so much. I picked really bad ones. <laughs> The next one is the loony and the toonie, which I think they're Canadian wide, hopefully. 
Well, yeah, that's the name of our money. There's not another name for it. That's the official names. Yeah, that's not a slang. That's our actual crazy ass name for our money. It's a loony and a toony. It's a $1 coin or a $2 coin. And they only have one name. But, I mean, who came up with that? Um, it's because the bird on the $1 coin is a loon. And then when they made the $2 coin, it just made sense that it was a toony because it rhymes with loony. But that does make sense. Because, I mean, like, in Scotland, a loon is, like, a child who's done something wrong. Right. And, like, so I thought it might sort of came from that. Um, this next one is a Mickey. Yeah, that's a little bottle of alcohol. I've never heard that before. Because it's, like, the it's usually the dodgy alcohol, isn't it? In those little, like, flask-shaped bottles. No, any, um, any of your basic spirits come in that size alcohol. And it's just a smaller format and it fits perfectly in your pocket and you can stick it in your underpants and sneak it into a show. It's great. Maybe we're just more alcoholics in the UK because we've just got the big ones and then you get those size ones in like the very dodgy like bottom shelf. <laughs> but uh, you, they are quite handy for sneaking in and out. Um, yeah. This next one is a Quebec one. The depth. The Depp. That's uh, the Depanel, which is the store. And, Would you use that? Um, yeah. If, if I'm in uh, a French-speaking part of the country, and then I would say, hey, do you want to go to the Depp? That means you want to go to the store. So I would have said that. And then, But I only said it like once or twice, and because I've only been in Montreal once or twice. Okay. Do you think you'll go? Because that's where Rita lives, isn't it? Yeah, as soon as I can, I'll go do a show with Rita, go have some fun, visit Kiara. That would be fun. Yeah, because you did the, um, I mean, this is off topic, but you did the casting Kiki with Pre, uh, Pre and Kiki the other day. Yeah, Kiki's with Kiki. Yeah, it was so fun. Did you watch it? I did. Well, I had, this is sneaky, but I had to change my VPN to Canada to be able to watch it because they wouldn't, it kept saying you can't watch it in this country. That's cool. I didn't know you could do that. You're a real smarty pants. It's just, I want to get all the good content. <laughs> did you like it? I did, yeah. I, there was some of the, it was just so funny how she like, she gets asked a question and she's like doing her brow. And she's like. Yeah, she didn't think that they would be showing the four screens because typically when you do that, they switch to the one screen for who's talking. So I think she thought, um, that the the screen would rotate and when Pri was talking that we would see Pri and that she would just be able to do her makeup because sometimes we do that but they didn't do that like I didn't think I was going to be on camera the whole time they didn't really tell us like all of us were on camera the whole time and because usually it switches you know to the big screen when someone's talking and so um that's why she was doing that <laughs> I don't think she knew they were going to show her just like <laughs> doing her makeup the whole time because I think sometimes it's hard, especially when if there's four people, like if you're not part of that conversation, you're just sort of waiting. Yeah, it's awkward. So that's usually why they go to this big screen, but they didn't do that. So, but I'm glad I made faces during the whole time. <laughs> oh, I've got two last Canadian pieces of slang, which hopefully these ones are well known. I have my fingers crossed for the listeners who can't see. Um, a tippy canoe. A tippy canoe. Um, does that mean have a good day? 
It says literally anything that is tippy. Oh. Um, I've never heard of that. But I do like it as like a greeting, like a tippy canoe to you, good sir. I think you should just repurpose it and then you'll have the whole island saying it. Yeah, I will. And then no one can tell you otherwise. But I did, I thought, I was like, oh, this one sounds very Canadian. Has to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, canoe, eh, bud? The last one was a bunny hug. A bunny hug? Yeah. Yeah, bunny hug, one word. A bunny hug. I think that's like a sweater, right? Like a hoodie? Yeah. A, yeah, hooded, a hooded sweater. I I've I don't know why I know that. That's kind of weird, but um I've never heard of that. I didn't even know how I knew that. But I somehow did. But I've never used it and I've never heard of it. So I think what we learned from this is that I cannot tell if things are Canadian or not. And even if you don't use them, you know them. So they must they must secretly be Canadian, just not they, everywhere. All of those are Canadian things, yeah. They're just um, um, maybe outdated somehow or very specific. <laughs> yeah, because I guess there's obviously so many dialects and then there's French speaking parts. So maybe it all doesn't transfer across. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean... You're arguably one of the most controversial eliminations in Drag Race history. Oh my and god. I, I say arguably very loosely because I don't think anyone can actually argue the opposite of that. It's a fact. Oh, um, thank you. And I think it's controversial not in that you did anything wrong, but just in the fact that you didn't win. I know. Uh, god, I really wanted to. That's fine. There was a lot of backlash around the judging and things. Which, and I think a lot of people have been saying that the, if you've seen the new UK season, um, the first two episodes are like, well, that's very Canada's drag race judging. Oh, really? Kind of, because we're like, hmm, don't agree with these decisions. <laughs> that's so funny. I haven't been able to watch the new season yet, but I oh, really want it. It's so good. Yeah, I've seen clips online. Oh, someone's at my door. This one's, are we able to hold on one second? Yeah, of course. Sorry. It's alright. Sorry, it was my delivery. It's alright. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, judging. Yeah. So there's a, definitely a lot of backlash surrounding that, and I know you've spoken out about it a little bit, saying that, like after seeing it, they say different things because obviously you're not there when they're giving the critiques. If you're an untucked, I mean. What do you think about the way all that went down? Um, I think that, you know, that they were just doing their job. And I think, you know, as a new judge, it's kind of hard to gauge all of that. You know, they didn't really know how they would look or how the show would edit or any of that stuff. So um, I think it was just a good lesson learned by everybody. And I think... Um, that, yeah, I don't really know. It's been so long since the show and I'm trying to be, I'm just trying to be happy about it. So I don't really know. I don't really know. It's all so far away now that I don't, I don't even really think about it anymore. But um, how did it, it felt at the time really 
harsh. And of course I wanted um, positive critique and la 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 la, but um, it is what it is and it was what it was. And I love the show and everyone loved the show. And so I, you know, I wouldn't really want it any other way. It's just the way it was. And, and um, they are been very supportive. Um, I'm so grateful for all of my success on the show and all the love. And so, um, yeah, I'm not feeling, I don't feel badly about any of it. And I can't wait to see what happens on season two. I know it's going to be exciting. Hopefully you get a cameo in there somewhere. I would love that. I'll be very disappointed if you don't. Um, so obviously you said it's been so long since the show aired, but what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment watching the show or making the show? One of each, if that's all right. Sure. My favorite moment watching the show, um, I think, was, well, my mountaintop scream. I loved, you know, how that made so many people around the world laugh. That was so, so cool. Um, that was really amazing. And then I guess my favorite part of the filming process was just being able to be the star of a show and having all the cameras there and the runway and really just being immersed in my ultimate dream come true, which is to be on Drag Race and to compete and to meet a whole bunch of drag queens and to be amazing. And I got to do all that. So that was my favorite part. Because you, is it true that you also talked about like moving to the States to try for the American show? Yeah, before there was in a Canadian version, I, I wouldn't have moved to the States, but I was trying to think, you know, like, how could I make it appear that way? Could I use my friend's address? Could I do some, you know, of course your your brain is just thinking like, how could I do this? How could I get on the show? And so I was really grateful to find out that um, uh, they have a Canadian version and I could do that. I mean, you, cause obviously I've heard you talk a little bit about the audition process and things from the casting Kiki, but it was only a 90 second video. Um, yeah, you do you do a series of videos, but the that one that they're asking for there is a ninety second one. Yeah, because I think the from what I've heard about the UK one, it's like there's so much um, that you have to include things. That is, I'm I'm sure it's the same with you as well. Then, yeah, I'm not able to really talk about the process, but the ninety yeah. second um, video component is only one component of the whole process. Oh, okay. And the eight-week process, fewer and fewer people go forward. So there's the initial call-out. Anyone and their uncle can, can put it in. And then the, you get a call back. And that's when you're asked to submit a 90-second video, which was what that casting kiki is about. It's about, um, or maybe it's maybe that's what it is. The initial video was a 90-second one. But anyways, that's that's sort of like how they they see who's there and then they trim it down from there and then you do a whole bunch of other stuff, um, which helps them get a better sense of who you are and um, you sort of make your way through the process of being cast and it's a multi-step process. Uh, that makes more sense because I sort of, when I listened to it, I was like, they only have to do 90 seconds? How can you decide based on 90 seconds? Yeah, that's, that's the basic call out. That's like anyone can just say, here's 90 seconds of who I am. I'm, you know, Brenda Joe, and I do drag like a tree every day or whatever. I mean, I think Brenda Joe should be on season two. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, every drag is tree drag. Yeah. Oh, have you been watching season 13? I have watched a few. I think I've watched like one or two. Um, but yeah, I've just been really busy at the moment. And so I haven't really been keeping up. Oh, but um, I will watch it soon. I've been watching... Um, I'm going to watch it tonight, hopefully. 
There was a tree moment on the latest episode which just made me think of that. Oh, there was? Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think my personal favourite moment from watching the show was it was the sandwich. I just, I have to ask oh, yeah. you, where did it come from? That was, I had stolen that from our little crafty backstage and we're not supposed to eat in the workroom, but um, I didn't really have time to eat it before we started and so I snuck it in and I hid it on the second shelf of my cart and then I would just um I didn't think they were gonna film me or that I would get busted doing it I thought I'll just I was just sort of watching the girls and I was just snacking on my sandwich spying on the girls and then um they filmed me doing it because I kind of as it's all happening and you're not really paying attention you kind of forget that there's cameras everywhere and that um it's a show you just get so into what's happening and you know, and there's certain moments where it feels like a show, you know, when you know the cameras are on you and you're performing for the cameras. And then there's all those in-between moments where your brain just sort of, you're just in the moment. And so that was one of those moments I really wasn't thinking. I just was trying to sneak a bite and I got busted. Did you get in trouble for it? Oh, no, not at all. No, okay. they think it's so funny. Yeah, I think it's like in that moment where you're not, you know, just like I have like a whole half a rack of ribs and I'm just like licking my fingers and like you know when it's like a tiny sandwich hidden and you're and then you do something that becomes funny and, and it's yeah. it's not it just doesn't look pedestrian like oh look there's so-and-so just munching away on a corn of cob or whatever or a cob of corn in the corner like they wouldn't want that but it's something like small that's that doesn't you know just look sloppy is I think why that was fine because it reminded me of um, on season 11 when Silky snuck snacks in her suitcases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to get your snacks when you can. Because, I mean, it's obviously you can't say a lot about the way it's filmed with things, but it's a long days um, in drawing things. So you got to have that sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Long days and you're, you're just working, working, working and going, going, going. And they feed you and, and sometimes you're not hungry when that's time to eat and so you gotta sneak your food where you can and you've got a background in um theatrical costume making as well so going in did you feel very confident about the runways and things and like design challenges yeah i did i am a costume designer and i really put a lot of work into being prepared and uh, about um yeah having my concepts and executing them and so i've i felt very excited to share what I had been working on. Because from a viewer's perspective, every time you walked down the runway, I was like, I have no idea what to expect next, but I know I'm going to love it. Like just waiting. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, that was just such a dream to really, yeah, to bring all those, those looks and to share them. I think they've got such a unique perspective and you have arguably the largest breastplate in history. Thank you. Biggest hits in the game. Did that fill a lot of your suitcase? Um, well, luckily, you know, I had a I had a bunch of big suitcases, but they do take up a lot of room. You know, uh, I have a bunch of different breastplates of different sizes. So, because you brought uh, in your podcast, you did with Davina, or no, no, sorry, it was the chop with the My Trace and Vanilla, and you just pulled them out. I was cackling. They're just oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I love my tits. I love my breastplates. I have, I don't even know how many I have. I have quite a few of them. And you've obviously released a new song, Tits in a Box. Yes. Yeah, my friend Andrew and I made that song and my partner Brady and I filmed the video. The video was so fun to watch. 
Thank you. Did you make all that in um, your studio? Yeah, yeah, I made all my looks and all my matching boxes and then did all the art direction and then my partner filmed it and then did all the editing. Hopefully that number is something that I can come on tour next time you're in oh, the yeah, UK. Yeah, I was thinking about making uh, some sort of outfit that just has like reveal after reveal after reveal in my boxes. Yeah, just it's like past the parcel, just layer after layer after layer. Exactly, yeah. I mean, did you have a favorite... Um, scene of that when you were filming it um I really liked the bathtub scene I thought that was really funny making that little tiny um shower box for my breasts and I really liked the um the grandma scene I thought that was really fun I was gonna say the grandma scene was so funny yeah thanks I did my cameos um as that grandma and only one person complained (laughs) they complained Yes, they hated it. They were like, I'm sorry, Jimbo, but this is the worst camera I've ever gotten. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so then I had to redo it for them. They're like, I don't like it. And so I was like, okay. Hopefully it wasn't for their grandma's birthday or something. No, it was for their boyfriend. And they were just like, you can barely understand what you're saying. And blah, 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 blah. I don't like this. And one star. And they were so mad. I was like, okay, well, I made that costume and set that all up and made you your special goddamn message, but fine. Because <laughs> your cameos are some of the best out there. You get loads of requests, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I have loads of requests right now. I've, I've got to put my drag on either today or tomorrow and make all my cameos. I mean, what's your favorite part about doing them? Because they're like little mini performances almost. Yeah, I think my favorite part is just um, that people care enough to want me to do that, that, that I'm on people's minds wherever they are in the world and that they think, oh, I'm going to ask Jimbo to help me make this special message for my friend for their birthday or whatever. I think um, I just feel so lucky that people think of me and, and ask me to do that. So that's my favorite part. I think that's like since cameos come out, come about in the pandemic, it's kind of helped bring drag to more people as well. Yeah, exactly. Everyone wants to have a little bit of connection with their favorite queen. And um, I think it's really special to know that someone that you admire, that you like, that is so far away, um, knows your name and knows a little bit about your story and makes a special message. So I think people really like it. Definitely. Because I've got, um, I got one for my mom for her birthday. And then when I met you, you were kind enough to record a little one for her. And I just, sometimes I watch it and it's not even about me. And it just makes me cackle because it's, I think it's a very unique experience, like you said, seeing someone you recognize and you admire talking to you or about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. Very unique experience. Um, so before you walked into the workroom in your iconic outfit, what was one thing you wish you could have told yourself if you could have gone back like almost a year after and sort of caught you in the hallway? What would you have said? Oh, I would have. What would I have said? Nothing really. I was really happy with that. I, I, um, nothing. I would, I wouldn't say anything. I just, yeah, I'm happy with that, how it all happened. I had a, that day was really, um, hectic getting ready in the morning and heading in to do that. It was all, it was all so crazy. And, um, there was, I wouldn't change anything about it. I liked it and I, it was so much fun. I love watching back and seeing that. And, um, I would have liked to have more time to do my makeup. But, um, you know, that's just what it does. Because I know something, um, going back to critiques and judging, you got a couple critiques on your makeup and things, but then between, I guess, between filming and then it airing, 
it completely transformed? Um, well, basically that I, yeah, I did change my style of my makeup a little bit just based on all of that critique. It just, there was, there was no choice, but um, it's interesting seeing Got Mick on now and you know the similarities in at least the foundation and sort of their art base and how um they don't say anything to her about that so i think it was so funny that it was a huge issue for me but they're all just like yeah i got mick you nailed it so i think i'm so glad i love got mick i love that style i love having a white face and you know the rest of the body um and i will always do that kind of makeup i do a lot of clown and character based makeup but since the show, the, a lot of the critique um, was about my beauty makeup and looking beautiful. And so that really became a focus of mine was, okay, you know, how do I master, not master this, but how do I improve my, my, um, the illusion, you know, I can, being a clown and sort of doing that whole vibe is one thing. And then the illusion and really trying to transform the shapes of your face and all of that through, um, all of the highlighting and the contouring, um, I really enjoy that as well. So would you say you prefer to do like clown-based, I suppose, like glamour? Um, I, I try not to get stuck in any one thing. So I really do just um, go with whatever's happening for me. And when I was on the show, that's how I felt in those moments. And I made my face white and I did that I did and I've moved on. I don't really ever try to stick with and go like, oh, that's my thing. So I have to do that. Um, and a lot of people, they get used to seeing you in a certain way. But prior to the show, my makeup was always different. I tend to try and do something once or twice and then move on. And so I don't generally like stick in the same things. And so it's just nature for me to transform into morph and to try different things. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not really, it's less self-conscious. Self it really is just about expression in the moment and really about just trying new things and trying new things. And every time I'm trying something new. I think that's the best way because then rather being known for a certain thing or a certain style, you can be known for not knowing what to expect or knowing that it's yeah, going to be different every time. It and yeah, I think, you know, some people have, certain expectations of me to look a certain way and I love that they care enough but it's I'll always look different so that's just this is how it is I just do what I want so even after drag race do you still make a lot of your own costumes and things yes yeah 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 I still all the time I love sewing sewing is one of those things you know as a, if you're a musician or if you're a chef or you know, everyone has their thing that they are drawn to that they can't stop themselves from doing. And that's creating and making and sewing for, for me is, is second nature. So I, I'm always like looking at fabric and thinking about ideas and about making things. And I love constructing things. I love sewing. I think it's really beautiful. Do you think now, um, even though obviously like your drawings become, I guess you do drawing aspects of your career more than like costume design in a business sense but would you ever go back and still like do costumes for a show or anything yeah i just did a costume for my friend for my friend ingrid's show the epidermis circus so i think it just it's just depending on my schedule if i have time i'll always um help someone if i can and do a gig but um if i don't have time then i will because obviously hopefully 2021 is a busier year in terms of gigs and things for what's allowed to happen in touring and Hopefully you can come back to the UK. Um, 
fingers, toes, everything crossed, being a bit selfish there with that wish. But um, when you're, the clubs are open again, you can go back out, what's the first number you'd want to perform? Um, I have no idea. I try not to really think that far ahead. And I don't really have a number that I'm dying to perform. I really like just making stuff up. And I really like, um, I'm just excited to have a, something to think about doing. So it's usually, you know, if there's, you know, an upcoming gig where they're like, oh, la la la, then I'll think of a thing. Oh, I want to be a half cat, half woman. And I want this to happen. There'd be a little bird in the cage or whatever, you know, just make it up. So I don't really have like a number that I, that I do all the time where I tend to just do what comes to me in that moment. And does that, when you're thinking about what you want to do, would you take, could it be anything that inspires you to then go on and create everything that goes with it? Or is it like, do you start with costume and then that brings music or yeah, it's always different. So sometimes um, if I'm working with my friend Andrew, like Tits in the Box, that was, the idea came from the song. And then I wrote the song with my friend Andrew and then the costumes and the music and the video came after. And sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes I start with a concept of what I want to look like, you know, whatever I want to look like. And, and then I try and figure out, okay, well, what's that character do? Um, what's the point of watching this? Are they, you know, making a thing of spaghetti and they're going to dump it on themselves or whatever, you know, try to think of something that's going to make me laugh and make other people laugh. Yeah, it's definitely infectious laughter. To sort of wrap up, because um, I know you're super busy, what can we expect from Jimbo in 2021, which I know is the broadest question ever, but just like a taste of um, well, I've been trying not to really plan too much ahead because of the pandemic. And so I've, you know, last year was a lot of like things happening and maybe this is going to happen and everything being canceled and a lot of opportunities being canceled and canceled and canceled. So I really am really trying to just live in the moment, live in today and just do my best. And the thing that is most inspiring to me is to make art and to share it. And so I know I'll be doing that. In terms of what that is, it remains to be seen, but I hope to do some really cool collaborations with people. I hope to make some cool looks. I hope to do some awesome photo shoots. I hope to, um, you know, get the vaccine out and everyone, we go back to having fun and I, I hope I do shows. You know, I wanna do all kinds of things. I may just be locked in my house sewing, but I have no idea, but I would be happy to do anything. I think that's the best attitude to have, just sort of take it as it comes in. If the wind blows this way, go with it. And if yeah, not... everyone, the, the whole world is, is pretty much last year was a good lesson and like, oh, maybe it's going to be over tomorrow and I'm going to plan my birthday and cancel. And maybe it's going to be open tomorrow and I'm going to plan my party canceled. So I think, you know, everyone's just like in for the long haul, in for the ride, just whatever happens, we can be grateful for our health and grateful for a day when we can all be going back to normal and having fun. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my name is Jimbo the Drag Clown. I'm also on Twitter as Jimbo the Drag Clown. And I have a website called www.houseofjimbo.com. And you can get Jimbo's merch and stuff on House of Jimbo as well. And of course, book them on Cameo. Um, yeah, Cameo. I do have a, um, 
uh, Snapchat, not a Snapchat, whatever it's called, the TikTok. It's got one of those. Not sure what it's called. Jim with the drag crown, probably. And um, yeah, and my merch is on mybestjudy.com. It's also on dragmerch.uk for the UK listeners. Well, thank you again for coming on. I'm going to link all of your socials and merch shops in the description of the episode as well when I put it out so everyone can find it. And I will see you all next week on Here to Make It Queer. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me.